The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos are all genetically identical? They're all clones. They split when a car runs over them. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> the more you know. But for more important information like that and to unlock bonus content, please check us out at patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread, where we're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 43 through 46 of The Shadow Rising, book four of The Wheel of Time. So previously we caught up with a bunch of nefarious characters in Chico, all clearly up to no good. Uh, Nynaeve's Detective Agency 2.0, uh, they began their investigation and the trainee interns kind of carried the team while... Elaine got white girl wasted, so it you know, didn't accomplish much. Uh, meanwhile, things get super grim dark for Perrin, but Perrin and Fayil kind of move into their redemption arc because Perrin becomes this badass, trollic killing wolf king, and Fayil, I guess, acts like a reasonably empathetic human being for the first time, I guess. I don't know. That's heroic for her. For her, that's a big change, so, you know. Chapter 43 Care for the Living, Icon of the Flame of Tarvalon. So, yeah, Perrin just rode into town with uh, the survivors of the ambush. And uh, it's really sad because he's going to get himself healed and everybody's reuniting with their boys from their family that have been riding with Perrin, except some of them aren't there. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting homecoming scene. Like, it, it has like a bitter, bittersweet, I mean, you know, yeah, it's maybe just bitter feeling to it that I wonder come, if that comes maybe from a real place for Jordan. Like, you can imagine, like, there are a lot of places after the war where there were scenes like this in small towns and stuff, right? Yeah, you think so? Because people got letters. Right? That's for true. Vietnam War. So they, they wouldn't have been point. surprised when, when the guy just didn't come back with the rest. It actually really made me think of a scene from Gone with the Wind with a similar situation of people coming back and looking for the missing ones. Mm -hmm. Especially since after that he goes into town and he finds out that um, all the townspeople, every, they say every attic within five miles must have been turned out for relics dust covered for generations so he's seeing all these crappy old-fashioned weapons that these old men and these boys are fashioning or mm -hmm. bringing out so it felt very south during the civil war to me oh interesting yeah i bet you're right so he heads to the inn and he hangs out there for a while because uh the Sedai isn't there on tap waiting for him to be healed and these town boys come in and they start asking him all these questions about the outside world and i thought this was really cool because this is this is who perrin used to be and they they eat up everything he says about Trollocs and the Blight, but they don't believe how big cities are. Yeah, it, which which actually makes sense because I think that they in the first book they actually say something like that. It, when they first see the city, it's like way they they, they had ideas of what, what a city was, and it was just not anything like they yeah they imagined. They're like, is it really ten times bigger than Emmons Field? It's like, <laughs> like, no and uh, they've been they've been doing all this fortification, and and I noticed that Loyal has been helping. To clear the trees. Yeah, that's that's actually I was that's surprising to me. I mean, I understand that he's he wants to help, but the fact that he's engaging himself in that activity sounds like, I mean, mm -hmm. it must be a pretty serious deal because I mean, Loyal probably feels like he's cutting down brothers or something. Yeah, and but uh, but Perrin tells them all or tells Loyal about the Waygate that is open, mm -hmm. and Loyal lets him know that he can actually kill a Waygate. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a way to, to, I guess, take the leaves away or something. Well, here's an interesting part here. The way 
away gate can be destroyed, it requires 13 Aes Sedai working together with a sawing Grial. So we're back to that 13 Aes Sedai again. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if it's like, it's necessary to have 13 or if he's just implying it took that amount of like channeling, but it's still pretty interesting that we come back to that that number. He also talks about uh, uh, one of the times that some other Aes Sedai tried to destroy it and get that. He just, it's like, oh, you know, nine Aes Sedai tried it and they got uh, sucked into, uh, never mind. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> that's, that's right. And Lord Luke is missing, which is not, you know, at all suspicious. Yeah. But uh, he, he was there, though, mm-hmm. during the fight. Which makes, yeah, which leads Perrin to believe, and, and maybe clues us in that maybe he's not the one who tipped off the Trollocs, because he actually ended up back in town. Yeah, I mm-hmm. still don't trust him. Yeah, yeah. he still, and he really wants to blame Luke for it, and we get the best expression of the entire series. Wanting won't make a stone cheese, but he still smells like cheese to me. <laughs> hey, which, of course, he says out loud, and everyone looks at him like... All right, buddy. <laughs> it's the fever talking. Because in the meantime, he's got this horrible poisoned barbed arrow still stuck in him. And he's, yeah. you know, they're not taking care of that. Yeah, it turns out that having an arrow stuck in you is kind of a big deal. Not the kind of thing you just, like, ignore until it sorts itself out. And, you know, <laughs> right. it's not great. Yeah, yeah, and right right before it kills him, Alana finally comes back in and, and they heal him in a, a pretty dramatic healing scene. Yeah, they hand him something to bite down on, and he's like, yeah, this is going to hurt. You better bite down on this. <laughs> Makes me, uh, you know, grateful for the modern modern yeah, medicine. because she has to, like, twist the arrow or something to, to match it up with the original wound ah. track. Mm-hmm. Again, you can't do that with the power, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, he heals the heal him, and he passes out with, like, lots of pain and stuff. Yep. It's chapter 44, The Breaking Storm. Icon of Trollocs. So, uh, I guess we know what's going to happen in this chapter. <laughs> so, uh, Perrin wakes up, and he's all weak from healing now. And he's totally naked. He's so, completely you know, naked. Mm-hmm. We get some, like, at least we get some Wolf King nudity here, so I know, you know, there's a lot of people out there who've been waiting for that. <laughs> well, so. finally we've got a naked dude with the amount of time that women spend naked in these books. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're if you're in for that side of beef, and Perrin's there to <laughs> yeah. deliver. Yeah. So, yeah, they, there's this little scene where, remember when Matt was naked and they used his nudity to, like, imprison him because uh-huh. he wouldn't get out of bed in Tarvalon but Perrin doesn't care yep. <laughs> he just gets up goes gets his clothes come on well I think it's proof that he and Fail have been banging you think so? yeah I'm, not sure. I'm, I'm still not sure they've actually like done the deed it's it's hard to say I'm not sure that he's, she's seen him naked before but, but I think it's just the, the the measure of his like you know stubbornness or something he's like I don't care balls out let's go <laughs> yeah sun's out balls out <laughs> While he's been sleeping, Loyal and Gaul have gone off to the Waygate on their own. Mm. And Perrin spends the next, uh, apparently, 100 chapters thinking that he's about to go head off after them to the Waygate. But it doesn't happen that way. Because he's too weak. He actually tries to... Tries to go, even though they're stopping him, and he falls down a bunch of stairs. And she falls on top of him, which is very sexy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, sexy. yeah, someone comes up and, it's, and he says something like, oh, she's going to think we're playing kissing games, which I assume means boning? I mean, like... Yeah, and you do that rolling down the stairs in Saldea? <laughs> yeah. Look, everyone's got their, everyone's got their thing. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene here where Marin Alvier, like, whispers to File and gives him, like, t- teaches her how to use women's wiles to control him. And... A, this scene is a little weird, uh, like you're like you're trying to control each other in a relationship. Uh-huh. And B, Perrin hears the entire thing clearly with his super senses. Yeah, super hearing is gonna make it kind of awkward for, for a lot of these conversations. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> this whole scene is: is people trying to hide things from him. And he just hears them immediately. <laughs> yeah, so they're 
this scene is mercifully interrupted by a Trolloc attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Or, the Trollocs are about to attack, actually. The, a Trolloc wandered out of the woods, because Trollocs just have no discipline. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe they say something like, yeah, sometimes a Trolloc will wander loose from the raiding party to go look for food, and, you know, because yeah. they're not tremendously disciplined. Bad discipline, yeah. yeah. And uh, so they know that the Trollocs are about to... to come down on them. And so they all line up at the barricades, the the stake wall, and uh, there's an awesome battle scene. Yeah, this is this is like uh, the, the, the strength of the longbow. I think a lot of it's something that's been a, a story throughout history, right? Like, yeah, this, long, longbow trumps a lot of things just because it has this superior range. And Yeah, this is clearly meant to be like the English longbow. Yeah. Which is, uh, it was a huge bow that was really difficult. It's, it's powerful because it's really big, but it was so difficult to pull that you had to train for a really long time to use it, which is why not everybody could do it. And it was called the English Longbow because they just happened to, to grow up using it. But yeah, Perrin, quote-unquote, leads the defense, although he doesn't make any decisions at all. He just sort of sits there on his <laughs> horse yep. and watches. But they, everybody thinks he's leading the defense. Yeah, they, they definitely uh, attribute the victory to him that, that they have. Yeah, and they, uh, their, their defensive situation is actually all right. Right, they've got a stake wall. They've got pikes uh, or some halberds. They've got some long arms, uh, and they've got longbows, a whole bunch of those, and they've got catapults and Sedai. Yeah, I, I wonder. Like, like against Trollocs, this is this is pretty much all you need as long as their numbers are relatively limited. But I wonder how how well this would do against in, um, armored infantry. Like, this seems like it's probably it's, not that well. Yeah, I mean, lo- I I suppose a longbow can penetrate armor pretty well, but yeah, it can do all right. Yeah. Uh, in terms of power, it can penetrate armor, but it, it depends on the armor. It depends on the time period, all that stuff. Shields, things like that. Yeah. Are you thinking about the the children of the light? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. It's, it's like, well, the children of the light have two advantages. They have the armor, which would maybe not necessarily stop the the things, but shields and armor are things that make that can defeat bow, uh, arrows to some degree. But they also have horses, which means they can approach more quickly. Well, the stake wall is useful for that, but I mean, they can still close that gap. And yeah. they're going to be far more disciplined True. as yeah. a unit. Uh, this is a really cool battle scene. Yeah, Perrin's, his, the boys he's been leading form around him like a honor guard or like a, a personal guard, and they carry his, his banner around with them. <laughs> That's stupid banner. He's so annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, who made this? God damn it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Tam, Althor, and Bran do all the actual work, right? They're giving yeah. the orders. Tam's really useful because he's been in the army before. And in, in fact, like up, I guess before this point, they've already organized an entire strategy. Like the, like they, they don't even really give orders. They just say, "Go to your places," as if they've all trained for this up till now. So. Yeah, it just keep them from sitting down, which is a serious problem. <laughs> so Perrin really didn't do anything at all. He really didn't. He he didn't even know what was going to happen, right? Yeah. But the, this trolloc horde, I love the way Robert Jordan writes these battle scenes. This is so cool. It's like I just can envision the the horde of of half as tall again as you monsters racing from the woods and the Mirrodal riding behind them, like riding back and forth, scaring them into coming at you. It's interesting that you can actually take out Mirrodal with arrows eventually, but it's, it sounds like it takes a lot of them. You know? Yeah, you just, they fill them with arrows and then they, they die a few like days later or something. Yeah, they ride much. around. So yeah, the, the Trollocs don't even make it to the stake wall. They all mm-hmm. die to the catapult stones and the rain of arrows from the Emmons fielders. Yeah, none lay closer than 50 paces from the pointed hedge. So, well done, Emmons yeah. Field. Yeah, way to go. Uh, but they, and so everybody's cheering, hooray, it's a battle, but the, the serious people there can do the math and they figure this was just a probe, just mm-hmm. to see if they'd run away or something. Yeah. 
but before they can think about it too much, there's more commotion on the other side of town. Chapter 45, The Tinker's Sword. I kind of a sunburst, like the Children of the Light. So the Tuatha'an survivors arrive on the other side of town. And by survivors, I mean the ones that weren't killed by Trollocs. Yeah, they yeah. had a rough time of it. And apparently the Coplins and the Congars tried to light their shit up or something, you know, because they're, <laughs> they're assholes. Yeah, they, 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 they shot at them yeah. with the arrows as soon as they showed up. And they almost turned them away, too. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, thieving tinkers. Yeah. But Perrin is able to use leadership skills. Yeah, he shames them. Basically yeah. says, are you going to send a bunch of kids into the back to the Trollocs? And... I, yeah, I wonder, yeah, and they're like, no, of course we're not going to send the children back to the Trollocs. Although, that seems to be exactly what they were about to do. I don't know if it was a Tavarin thing, or if it was just basic human decency is triumphing in these bucolic townsfolks. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, Perrin would say that it's, I think he literally says something like, two rivers folk just need to be shown the right direction, they'll pick the right direction, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, he would argue that it was just because... That, but but it, it they did turn it out around awful fast. So it yeah, could be I don't thing. personally I don't buy it. I think if the other if their the enemy army had been humans, they would have turned the tinkers away and let them die. It's just because they're trollocs that they can like they can see past their tribalism and, and band together against a real other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they finally they do let the tinkers in, and then Perrin like this has been all one morning. Perrin goes and, and sits and has lunch, but. Everybody's like coming up to him and asking him for orders, like everybody in the town, about little stuff, like who gets to use the blacksmith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's been he was actually trying to go. He's he's still at this point trying to go catch up to Lyle and Gaul. Right. Yeah. But he can't actually leave because every time he turns around, somebody else is asking for something. Right. Yeah. And, and Fail makes an insightful point, I think, is that they've they've accepted him as their leader, and they're trying to figure out how to be led. They want to make sure everything is going the way he thinks it should. And. Mm-hmm. I don't think they realize that he doesn't have an opinion. Yeah. The only thing he's interested in doing is killing Trollocs and closing that waygate. I couldn't tell if there was like some social commentary happening here a little bit, like this idea that that humans need a leader to look to, or people in general are looking for like a figurehead. Well, the point is they haven't needed one in the past. None of them even remember that technically they are under the reign of the Queen of Andor. Yeah, but they don't think of themselves as that, right? No. So I mean, I, I think he says something like, you know, two rivers folk are freemen, but. Even Freeman needs someone to follow or something like that. So. Yeah. They do have a mayor, you know. It's not like they have no it's leadership true. at all. And a women's circle and wisdom. Yeah. And, parallel and, and the village council. So there's like the village councils, the guys and the yeah. women's circles, the ladies. But it's like history is shaping them into into being a, a fiefdom or like a, what would you call it? A land of a lord that is parent. Golden eyes. And the... Uh, I'd like to note in passing that Perrin and Fail discuss their future life together. Mm-hmm. Fail's like, I've never baked bread before. Kneading dough is so much fun. And Perrin's like, well, where are we going to get bread from if you don't bake it? <laughs> I'm not going to like buy food all the time. And she's like, oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the cook is for. Actually, probably not the cook. One of the cook's assistants because the cook is just, you know. <laughs> I know, right? And so these guys, right, sure, they're in love. That's great. But they really need to have a serious conversation about how they expect the rest of their lives together to go. Yes. I mean, she is, uh, she is a lady. So, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I imagine that's the way it's going to go. But who knows? You know, maybe, the, maybe she'll retire to a more provincial life. Right? Yeah, like a blacksmith's wife? Yeah, I don't know. Baking bread? Seems mm-hmm. unlikely. It does seem unlikely. So uh, after this happens, Aram, the tinker, chooses to pick up a sword and asks to be trained in it. Yeah, this this scene actually kind of got me. This was yeah. this was pretty sad to me. Just like, because you know, 
this is him having to give up pretty much the 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 most important part of of his his culture, you know. But it, but he's just seen his mother killed and probably eaten by Trollocs, you know. So it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough place, and this is this is kind of a this is kind of a painful scene because. Uh, you know, his his grandmother comes down and sees it, and like to her, that means that she's lo- lost her last her last family member, I guess. You know? Yeah, he's capital L lost now. Yeah, I found myself really disliking the Tinkers a lot, which I mm-hmm. which started when uh, in one of the memories in Ruidian when the Tinkers saw like their children being brutally massacred and raped and kidnapped and stuff like that. And they were okay with it. But here's rain after all this has happened and their tinkers have been, there's only 20 of them left. It says he's, he's walking past Perrin saying the, the, the way of the leaf is the right way. Da, 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 da. I mean, at that point, I think it's crossed the line over into either like a cultish behavior or fanaticism cool. that you're still sticking with this. And I've, found that very frustrating like if you have this belief to the point where you'll even disown your grandchild for having what i think would be a very normal reaction it's important to remember that this is not new for them like what just happened it's been happening for thousands of years sure three four thousand years i can't remember so i mean like it's 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 pretty heavily ingrained in them in fact you could argue that like it's it's it might even be bred into them based on where they came from you know if they're the only ones carrying through the ideals of the aiel uh, then it could be part of their both their genetic and their cultural heritage that's been like passed down as long as they can remember, you know. Yeah, I I understand that, but I don't think tradition is a good enough reason to do something. I don't know. Maybe it's just I can't begin to understand a culture that would be okay with children dying brutally and still sticking to this belief in not defending yourselves or sending poor doggies out to try and defend you. I, I don't think you, I, they, they would say that they're okay with it so much as it's just like the the cost is is worse for the, the they see the cost of violence on their spirit as something that's even worse than dying. Yeah. So I mean like that's, I, I you know, personally I agree with you. Uh, I would obviously, you know, never never do that but I, I see why they they believe what they believe or, or how they believe what they believe but I think that to your point, this exchange to me feels like it could be something coming from the Robert Jordan himself, uh, you know, in response to like pacifist movements of the time. You know, it's like we talked about this a little bit before the idea of like pacifism versus like, you know, the soldiers who are defending their right to be pacifists, I guess, something like that. But um, seeing this exchange and seeing parents say, sometimes you have to like, it, it would be love like because we know that Perrin loves the idea of the way of the leaf in certain ways and probably wishes he could live it, but he sees like the impracticalities and says somebody has to take up the weapons, you know. Mm-hmm. And when Aram makes this this transition, this change, Perrin supports him and says, you know, after what he's seen, how could he do anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah, it's coming coming back as a soldier who who had a really horrible experience in a war. And having these people say, you know, oh, you know, it's pacifism's the best thing, you know, and there's no excuse for war. Probably, you might yearn to be able to live that way, but you you know better or something. I guess I don't yeah. know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see how he might think that way, but I think he's off base because, in particular, the Vietnam War was just a war of aggression, right? Yeah, they, they weren't defending anybody. That's a good point. So that, but that that's what the that's the argument that they used to justify what they were doing is oh if you you know do some mental backflips then actually we were defending ourselves somehow. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Uh, this is yeah. Perrin, Perrin supports him. Like everybody else, kind of is sad because 
you know, it's sad for a tinker to stop being a tinker. Um, but Perrin, is, he gets it, you know. Yeah. And well, think, isn't this also an extra dig uh, as well that um, Aram goes after a sword? Because was it, isn't a sword like the ultimate no-no weapon yeah. for the... It's true, yeah. yeah. The even original Aiel. He could have yeah. grabbed a spear. Yeah. Yeah, even Aiel won't use a sword because of that same idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was is uh, Aiel use the weapons they do because they... Also count as tools, I guess, right. is the idea. I think it's like uh, when, when one of those Amish kids goes on their, what do you call it, room, room springer, springer, and they just go crazy with, with drugs or alcohol or whatever. They go mm-hmm. as far in the other direction as they can. Yeah. Um, it's another thing I wanted to say. We don't know yet, I think, whether Aram is banned forever or just as long as he's doing violence. Mm-hmm. Because they they welcome people who did violence in the past into the, the Tuatha on all the time. But uh, uh, we're not sure if that extends to former Tuatha on. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I would suspect it'd be something like embracing it if you if you haven't had it before is different than like forsaking the the thing once you've already learned it. But mm-hmm. but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, like the Mormons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, so after this, Dane and the White Cloaks ride up because we needed somebody to be a dick in some scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, at least we get some good news from them though. <laughs> Terran Fairy was destroyed. Fairy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because fuck Terran Fairy. <laughs> I know, I love, oh, I love this scene. There's this like, oh, was it Devin's? Devin's yeah, the, the, the White Cloaks. Uh, yeah, Dane shows up and starts shouting at people. Ah, oh, you're, you know, you're holding out the light and Perrin's a dark friend or whatever. One of your towns was destroyed. They're and, like, not Devin's Ride or what was the other one? Watch Hill. Not Devin's Ride or Watch Hill. No, no, it was Terrence Ferry. Oh. Oh, no. oh yeah, that, that's awful, yeah. yeah. Anyway, what did you need? They <laughs> <laughs> don't care at all. <laughs> oh, because nobody has friends in Terrence Ferry. <laughs> yeah, right? It's too much trade with the outside world. Right, exactly. So, uh, Luke is there, and I got my eye on Luke. I, he's really suspicious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy's so sketchy. He's, like, surprised. He's, wait, he's like, wait, what? They killed everybody in Terrence Ferry? Why would they do that? Mm-hmm. And he also asks if Ordeeth was at Terran Ferry. And yeah. nobody knows how he even knows Ordeeth. Right, yeah. Super yeah. suspicious. Mm-hmm. And so Dane tries to arrest Perrin. And by try, I mean he says he's going to arrest Perrin, even though he's on the outside of the barricade. And he's like, uh, even his own like psycho white cloak buddies are like pulling him by the shoulder saying, you got 500 arrows pointed at your heart right now, dude. <laughs> it's like, let's just, uh, well, let's talk about this later, you know, we'll come back to this. <laughs> yeah. But like, he's unhinged. Like he's like spit shooting out of his mouth. He's talking kind of thing. Yeah. And he's, he's like drunk. He's, he's mm-hmm. Perrin can smell brandy on him with his super smell. Yeah. yeah. But a brand shows some great leadership here. He's, he's a real bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is this good leadership? I think it is. He 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 brings some terms down for them, right? You're not allowed to. You can't arrest anyone. You can't go into anybody's house. You better share the defense when we ask you to, and don't you dare draw the dragon's fang. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is that's what everybody should do when the white cloaks show up, right? Mm-hmm. You can come in here as long as you don't start no white cloak shit. Yeah. yeah. Dictate those terms. I think it's a terrible idea to invite the white cloaks into Emmonsfield, though. Like that was Perrin's idea. Right? Yeah, it's Perrin's idea. He well, he's. He says, well, how about you, you come in and you help us fight the Trollocs, and then you can arrest me afterward. Mm-hmm. Which everybody around is like, what are you doing? But I think, I don't know, I think it's pretty good. I think he's right that killing the White Cloaks right here is a bad idea. I'm not sure they could, yeah. The, the, it depends on their numbers. I mean, he'd probably kill Bornhold, but I don't know if he get to kill them all. Yeah, but they, it would be a whole other battle. And the, I think the Emmons Fielders outnumber them. 
and oh, almost certain, and they have the advantage on. That's them. a good question. I mean, the overall, I think we heard something that they have like five or six hundred white cloaks there. Yeah. Do you think there are more than five or six hundred MS fielders? I think so. It's all the MS fielders and all the people from the towns all around. Yeah. But humans killing humans is is a, like the wrong energy, right? That's 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 doing the wrong thing. If they can get the white cloaks in, and the white cloaks who are trained soldiers, unlike almost anybody in Emmons Field, to fight uh, to come in and fight the Trollocs with them, that's that's a huge win. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. Like having them as an asset, if they would if they will cooperate, which I guess remains to be seen, yeah. would be very helpful. And also making a deal with somebody where they pay you now and you pay them later is almost always a <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you arrest me once this is all sorted out. Yeah, sure, right. <laughs> that's gonna happen. Yeah, like let's just let the Trollocs thin your numbers out a little bit, and then then we'll see who's arresting who. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I liked when when Perrin. Decided to let them all in. Fail immediately pulls out her knife and starts sharpening it. <laughs> I just imagine like, oh, this is the knife. I'm going to stab that guy. <laughs> She's ready. She knows. She knows where this is going. But you're right. Way to go, Bran, for setting the rules here. Because these white cloaks, they're always pushing boundaries and they suck. And they always act like they're the righteous ones. And you have to set boundaries. Yes. So. Oh, and Luke has some commentary. I know something of taking an enemy into your bosom. His blade goes in quicker when he is close. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. And Fagel's like, you know, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah and, and Perrin thinks how he's glad to have these farm boys hanging around him all the time, like a guard. Yeah. Like, yeah, Perrin, that's that's why you have those. So, something completely different. Chapter 46, Veils, with Icon of the Black Aja. So we're back to Tanchico. And Aganon is following Florin Gelb as he's setting up an ambush for, unbeknownst to her, Elaine and Nynaeve. Yeah. Because that's just what he's doing now. He's setting up ambushes for random women and then bringing them in and saying, is this one of them? Mm-hmm. And then she cuts their throats because they're not them. Or well, if they're well-known, she puts them onto a ship to go off to be sold into slavery or something, yeah, apparently. Seems My God. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Awful. I hate the Shan-Chan. <laughs> well, to be fair, she's actually trying to prevent that at this point. She's like... I'm tired of that shit. I'm going to go follow this guy yeah. and like kick his ass if he does it again. Yeah, she's thinking to herself, man, I really shouldn't have paid him the first time he kidnapped a woman and brought her to me and it wasn't the right person. <laughs> That's a great point. She, <laughs> no, right? she did set a precedent that he's, you know. I mean, I, I just, I respect people whose abduction count is at or near zero. <laughs> <laughs> and she's up, you know, approaching 10 at this point. That's a good point. Yes. So uh, I want to note that Aganon really suck at stealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like she... She loses the guy, and she, because she loses the guy, she jumps up on a fountain and kicks a bunch of people off the fountain <laughs> to, to look around. Where'd he go? <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. Right? And uh, also, Elaine and Nynaeve, who are walking into this trap, they really suck at blending in. Uh-huh. She uh, picks him out immediately. Nynaeve is so frustrating in this. She's just... she's. Stubborn and to the point of being disingenuous. Yeah. Yes. This is this is exactly what everyone has been worried about them doing in Tenshiko, and they're and <laughs> right. and this is exactly why. This is exactly <laughs> it. Right? They're like, don't wander off without guards. Don't you know? Like, there's this place is dangerous. You're gonna get kidnapped. Sure enough, here we yeah, are. That's what would have happened right here. Yep. Uh, so yeah, there's a trap. Was we we see it from uh, Elaine and Inez's perspective, and uh, Elaine and Inez are trying to blend in. They bought themselves some sexy. Tenchiko dresses, yeah. but they bought them out of like silk, so they, they still stand out, and whenever they talk, they don't sound like Tenchikans. And also, apparently, Elaine can't stop getting the, the stupid veil in her mouth. That's <laughs> yeah. The entire rest of this chapter is yeah. happening constantly. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I did notice that Elaine is now wearing the Terangriol ring around her neck, uh-huh. and it does not say between her breasts. 
It says around her neck. That's because, you know, it's, <laughs> know. it's a Nightingale's character trait, right? <laughs> She's part of the IBTC. so yeah the Florin Gelb's thugs jump Elena and Nynaeve apparently randomly these are not the people that Ganon is looking for yeah I think that they were saying she was saying something like uh, Nynaeve's hair looked sort of like someone that she had given him a description of and she's like clearly not the right person yeah Uh, but Ganon jumps in and helps him with her like badass fighting skills because she's a soldier yeah and uh they make friends, although Elaine ends up using the power a little bit. And yeah, so they invite her home. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. invite her back to the inn, kind of explain what's going on with them and stuff. <laughs> I feel like, like their instincts for people in situations are really, really terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back at the inn, uh, <laughs> so Julian has made a lot of progress. He found where the Black Aja were staying, although he missed them by about a day. Mm-hmm. So Nynaeve uh, proceeds to... Yeah. To just tear into him. Yeah, to just dress him down. Also, horribly. Is, wasn't it weird that Nynaeve is the one who invited Aganon back to the inn to have a cup of tea as thanks? Like, that doesn't seem like it's part of Nynaeve's character to be to show gratitude towards other people. Maybe another woman. Maybe. That's true. We wouldn't know. I, I think it's just that Nynaeve is going to make the wrong decision in every situation. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... I I don't quite understand it. Maybe mm-hmm. she's frazzled. Or maybe she thinks again and might help her. Because I mean, just going down the street asking everybody they meet isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> Though, to be fair, did they ever actually ask anyone anything? Like, they were just looking around for someone to ask, and then they got ambushed, and then they went back. So, like, their foray accomplished literally nothing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, they, they said that what they've been doing is walking up and down the streets of Tanchico hoping to sense someone channeling nearby. Right. Which, actually, that's a fair plan. That's a good point, yeah. Uh, so, during this meeting, Tom comes in and tells him about the local political situation. More useful information. Where, which we know is directly relevant to what the Black Aja are doing. Uh-huh. And, of course, Nynaeve tears into him. Yeah, and then just, like, dismisses him from the room. Well, the best yeah. part is, uh, she's she, uh, when she's talking to Julian, he's talking about how he's been sneaking around and Nynaeve gets mad at him because she says, what if you triggered a trap? It's like, oh my god! <laughs> you mean like every time that you guys walk into a room? Yeah. Every, you mean like you guys did this morning? Yes. <laughs> god damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's super, oh man, it's so frustrating because just Tom and Julian, I think, would be doing a really good job here. Yeah, yes. if they didn't have to report back to the, the, right. this person who just like, Tells them they're doing everything wrong. Yeah, so Nynaeve and Elaine should just stay in the inn, and when they need the heavy artillery, then they bring them in. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not what they do. Yeah. Oh, and also, Tom go, goes and gets them, like, 50 guards or something. Yeah, right? <laughs> Before he's out there, he's like, oh, you know, yeah, also, I just, here, I got you guys a bunch of guards. Right, and they're, like, they're angry at him about it, even though they just had a conversation about how maybe we should have some guards. Mm-hmm. And, they, and at the end, they're like, well, he's probably right, but he still overstepped his back. It's like, come on, guys. Just, oh, my God, just, like... Just try not to shit on these guys. They're they're helping. They really do want to help you. But so they have a conversation with Aganon, which is really really awkward. Yep. They they do not pick up that she has a Shanshan accent, even though they've like they know Shanshan. They've yes. met many Shanshan. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and she's this actually turns out to be a useful meeting because I think she discovers that Aes Sedai are not the evil monsters that she thought they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but this con- this conversation is still really weird and. I guess at the by the end, Nynaeve is like, that conversation was a little strange. <laughs> right, yeah. And again, it's like, 
So, how exactly is it that you control all the kings and queens of this world? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we don't, we don't really do that. And she's like, okay, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but but Elaine's like, oh, she had she had kind of a look on her face when they mentioned Bail Domon. Huh, she must know him. But she didn't say anything about it. Something's weird with her. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, I mean, you know, they they are making things happen, right? They're getting stuff done by hook or crook, right? Uh-huh. I guess. My favorite part was when Nynaeve tells Aganon, oh, well, yeah, sure, we'll answer any questions you might have. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, no problem. Come back, yeah, come back here with us and we'll answer all your questions. You don't even have to pay us. You know, we will. We consider it like gratitude for you having helped us out earlier. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they also tell Aganon that uh, channeling can be learned, which really throws Aganon for a loop. Yeah. It, it, I really think that the the Shanshan society is kind of built around this idea of controlling channelers who are all evil and wicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During this whole time, Egwene and Nynaeve have a, a low-key ongoing argument over who it was that the the people were trying to capture. And uh, I think it was Nynaeve. Oh, it totally was Nynaeve. She's the one who kind of looks... Uh, again, I was thinking looked kind of like the uh, woman that she was seeking. The Soldam, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Elaine's like, but I'm the daughter of Endor, you know. I don't know how they knew that, but... <laughs> That's a fair point, though. Yeah, but... How... One of them would probably seem more kidnappable than the other. Who is going to recognize the daughter heir of right. Endor in the middle of Tanchi- the, the slums of Tanchico? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Elaine seems kidnappable, and I feel like you couldn't pay me enough to kidnap Nynaeve. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like that O. Henry story, the ransom of Red Chief. Ransom of Red Chief, yeah. yeah. End up having to, to pay people to take her back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, speaking of asking questions, uh, a Forsaken apparently comes in. Yeah, this is one we haven't met before, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, yeah. She, just, uh, she just walks in and all of a sudden just... She mind controls. She them. mind control. Yeah, it just just out of nowhere, just walks in the door. Yeah, and mind controls them and asks them a bunch of questions. Elaine and... is even preparing to do something. Like she has the chant, the she has the channels, the, the the threads woven, ready to like trap whoever walks in the door. And immediately she's just shut down. Yeah, just gives you an idea of how powerful the Forsaken are. Right. Yeah. I and... thought this was um, Landfear. It is not. Yeah, it is not Landfear. I'm pretty sure. Because yeah. A, the chapter icon was not the moon yes. stars. And B, they don't remark on how... She's uh, the most beautiful and they've ever seen how she smells amazing. like spices or something. Yeah. And, I, and, I and, guess... and C, the, the, she goes on a little monologue about how she likes to hide in the shadows like a spider. Okay. Something that Lanfear does not do. Yes, and Lanfear doesn't seem... We haven't seen her demonstrate those mind control abilities. That's true, though... I, she I, manipulates. Yeah, she, is, she definitely manipulates, so it doesn't seem to do it so uh, overtly. Mm-hmm. But the, this woman comes in and pumps them for information, gets all the information out of them, but doesn't seem to be the one giving orders to Leandrin and team. Yeah, that's true. She seems she she kind of says like I'm just watching to see what happens because that's what spiders do, which is kind of creepy. And then she wipes their memory and leaves. Yeah, she comments on their power as well. She says something about Nynaeve having blocked herself, and I think this is something that... It's the anger thing. Yeah, but I, I don't think we knew that Nynaeve did this to herself exactly, so, so much as it's just like, you know. Yeah. Her. But it, but she seems to, to realize that she did it. She did it when this woman has, like, shut down her defenses. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So I, I wonder if this woman is reading their minds also. Could be. Uh, and so that's creepy, because she just does that and then leaves, and uh, Elaine and Nynaeve don't know about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's also kind of fascinating how the interrogation works because 
there are things that the woman doesn't learn because they are doing literally exactly what they're responding to her exact questions. For it's example, true, yeah. she asks if they have any terangriol in their rooms, and Elaine says, no, we don't. And in her, the back of her head, she's like, well, I have this one around my neck, but she didn't ask that, so I'm not going to say anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, after that happens, again, and uh, heads off, and we find out that she's been followed by that seeker dude. And that earlier, she noticed a disruption when somebody, some guy got his arm broken. And it turns out this seeker dude who was following her broke that guy's arm. So not only is she bad at stealth, she's bad at, like, counter stealth? <laughs> yeah. Like, literally the guy that was following her broke a rando's arm. And then there was a bunch of screaming and stuff, and she's like, eh. And I think this is the guy that came and visited her earlier, right? Like, she knows this guy? Yeah. So, you know, she could have recognized him just by seeing his face, in theory. Yeah, well, it said he's wearing, like, a fake mustache. Okay. I assume he's also wearing a big, thick frame glasses with a nose. <laughs> right, that's what I would say, the, the Groucho mask. Yeah, yeah I, I, I ask again, why did they pick again and for this spy work? It's not her, not her strong suit. Why did they pick Nynaeve for spy work? Uh, yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I have a question. Oh, it is working, right? She's stirring the pot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Things are happening. Oh, yeah. There's, there's definitely pieces moving, and nobody knows where they're going to fall. Um, I have a it's, question. It reminds me of, like, a, in the later James Bond movies, they, they mention in passing, like, you know, this guy's a terrible spy. Why, why do we keep sending this guy in? And they're like, it's not that he's a spy. It's that we send him there, and he fucks everything up. <laughs> and sometimes that's exactly what we want to happen. And that's my Eve. Yeah. So do you think Nynaeve... I think we've talked about this before. Do you think Nynaeve is Tavaran? I mean, obviously not within, like, the hand of the story, but, like, the way things move around her and the way things happen and the way that these these people who are important characters keep showing up, by all the rules of Tavaran, couldn't you say that Nynaeve is Tavaran? Yeah, you yes. know, it definitely fits the pattern of... We just saw Perrin sitting on his horse, literally sitting on his horse, and people give him credit for leading them to victory in battle. Right. And he's all he's thinking like, I'm not your leader, I don't care about being a leader, and people treat him as a leader and they're literally having conversations with him where he's giving them orders and in his head he doesn't realize he's doing it, because it's all tavern and stuff sort of happening all around him. Yep. So it's just like Naive. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Naive like around her, uh, Julian is finding all this stuff, Tom is finding all this stuff, Bail Dolman just shows up and hands her like exactly what she needs. Um again it's like changing her like life philosophy to like be in a more like sympathetic vein for Nynaeve I mean like mm-hmm. it's interesting you know uh, so despite the fact that she is incompetent and, and, and frustrating she seems to be accomplishing an awful lot because of this mysterious force around her just making everything go right yeah it's true right I guess you, you could describe it as like a connection to the tavernness of the other people but no she seems to fit the mold. See, I, 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 I thought that for a long time because she was traveling closely with them, right? But, mm-hmm. like, at this point, she's all on her own. She's pretty far from the nearest sovereign, and all these things are kind of through, weaving around her, too. So, just something I thought about as I was reading this. Like, this feels a lot like Tavarin bullshit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 47 through 50 of The Shadow Rising. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan, at Alice M. Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman, at... No, I'm just kidding, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any uh, comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We'd love to hear from you. And please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. Please check out our website, thedragonreread.com. And please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash armadillopodcastingclub, because we are armadillos. 
And please like us in real life. We're super likable, just like an armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.